Welcome to the Coach Fury Podcast. This is where fitness and geekdom collide. It's time to live long, be strong, and die mighty. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 93 of the Coach Fury Podcast. As we rapidly approach our 100th episode, I have a favor. I want you to hop on my private, my personal Facebook page or the Coach Fury Podcast page and comment, post, let me know. Who would you like to hear me chat with for episode 100? Who do you want to be the 100th guest? And I'll see what I'll do. If it doesn't work out, I'll certainly keep those people in mind for future episodes. Uh, coming up on other episodes, we have... Kevin Godfrey, who's the owner of Trusted Safe, and he's one of the board members of the New York and United States Fitness Coalitions. Uh, owners in particular, you're going to want to listen to this one because he's been our direct link in New York City to the Department of Health and Department of Labor, and he, he's been invaluable on that. And then following up with Kevin, we're going to have Alex Williams, the founder, creator of Kettlebell Gains Apparel. So uh, I'm stoked for you to hear those two episodes as well, but let me know who you want for the 100th. This show being back means the world to me more so than I was expecting. It's been a, a, a much needed mental health break for me and it's just been great talking with people that I haven't talked with in a while. Now, if you're getting some love out of this show, I, I ask a favor, hop on over to patreon.com slash coach fury podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash coach fury podcast. And like donate like 50 cents a buck an episode. If a hundred people listen, and everyone did a buck or 50 cents, I can use that money to help get gear, promote the show, pay a bill, maybe get some shirts made or something. Uh, everything would help, but I know times are tough. So, uh, you know, if you can, great. If you can't, I still love you. But if you can, please do. Uh, especially if you've listened to more than like three episodes of the show. And speaking of uh, showing love, look, I'm sending shout outs, uh, love to my Washington peeps, the Philadelphia crews, uh, people that are already getting rolled back. It sucks. Uh, indoor fitness is getting shut down again. And I just want to send some love. I really hope one day, soon, very soon, that the government, the news stations, the population at large really see the data and how safe gyms have been and that we're not highly problematic and that we're not spreaders or super spreaders. Uh, the numbers are insanely in our favor, yet publicly we keep getting thrown under the bus so sending love to those industries uh, i would expect a lot of us ourselves included will be shut down soon uh, hopefully for a limited period of time uh, or a more direct period of time and hopefully we all have systems in place to make this a little smoother but i know we just a lot of us are just barely getting on and in new york some of us never even open yet um, because of uh hot spots so big hugs uh, i know that doesn't help much but just know i i feel i feel for you um, I'm with you in that, uh, especially as I've seen at least one individual try to fucking throw everyone under the bus. Um, I want you to know that you're valuable and you're safe and, uh, I don't know, you're loved. I don't like you need me to tell you that, but it's there. Uh, let's get on to the bright stuff. This was, uh, look, I love every episode. They're all fun, but this guest is Phil Scarito, former senior RKC, former master SFG, owner of Deviate Fitness creator of the Deviate Fitness Kettlebell Teaching Certification. This guy is one of my first mentors. I'm not gonna talk too much because you're gonna listen to us talk about a lot, but I was really stoked to have Phil on. Everybody, please enjoy Phil Scarito for episode 93. So Phil, anything new happened in the world of kettlebells this year? <laughs> 
Good start. Good start. Uh, so, uh, uh, hey, uh, listeners, uh, our guest, if you heard the intro, it's Phil Scarito, owner of uh, DVA Fitness, but more importantly, my first team leader for a level one cert of any kind, and also ended up being my, my team leader at my first level two. So, I've got like a lot of love and respect, and, and, and Phil, in a lot of ways, helped uh, inform and shape. Uh, not just my like kettlebell technique and teaching, but just also like a, a, an inside view on this, uh, on this world, because I don't think coming in from uh, visual effects and getting ready to switch careers, uh, I was a visual effects producer and it was actually my journey to the RKC in 2010 that had sort of put it in my head that maybe I can make help people like this seems like something valid to do with my life other than helping make graphics for subway commercials. Um, and I remember I asked Steve Millis who went through cert like courses you attended together, who was the owner, one of the co-owners of five points Academy and ended up being my first course boss. I was like, Hey, uh, I'm thinking about doing this. And he basically said, pass your RKC and you'll start teaching a class. And that's exactly what happened. So Phil, let's start from, uh, you know, the mm -hmm. most important parts of your life in terms of this kettlebell journey, was I not the best visual effects producer to go through an RKC you had ever seen up until 2010? <laughs> by far, Steve, by far. <laughs> so wait, I'm just, this is, this is crazy. So going back, I remember the, the first user course you went was at Five Points. That's right, right? I assisted you at the first, well, it was first. So I didn't, I did my HKC. Are you, Correct me if I, I ruin this guy's name. Uh, Will Williamson. Remember Will? Will, Will Williams. Will Williams. Will Williams, yes. And so I went, I took my, my HKC there. I want to say it was around like June. And mm -hmm. I, I basically like, you know, as great as the staff was working with Steve and with Emily Bearden, uh, I was still getting my swings in my lower back and I had never learned to get up. So I'm mm -hmm. like, instead of paying for X amount hundred dollar plus sessions I was like I'll spend 600 bucks or whatever the early bird was 500 bucks on a whole day the cert didn't really matter to me but at that point I'm like let me have a challenge and they had five pull-ups at the time and at the time I couldn't do five pull-ups so it was like a journey and Will came in and it was kind of like what you would expect <laughs> of the olden days of the RKC where it was like mysterious and it was it was pretty I mean, it was informative, but it was also brutal. Punishments were an actively used term. Um, but Will has this, I can't even do it because I'm afraid I'll blow my butt, but it's Bradley voice. And he was shredded and tattooed and, you know, just what you would have expected from like what came across as a very paramilitary kettlebell organization at the time. And I learned a ton and it is the, I think I taught one of my neighbors just to get used to the idea of coaching somebody. But Jose Cruz, one of the former trainers at, at, at Five Points, taught me a get-up the day before. I'd done like one rep per side before that cert. Uh, and now as somebody that's taught a bunch of them, I'm like, I fucking hate when people show up like that. <laughs> so yeah, so we went through, uh, so I did the HKC with Will, who was pretty quickly out of the organization. Yeah. And yeah. then... Um, started training like I think I made the decision because at that time you, you, your HKC money went towards an RKC and I at one point wanted to do a marathon but then I blew my knee out ended up putting me into kettlebell land it's, it's actually how I ended up at five points after the knee healed and found kettlebells and then I just viewed the RKC again I wasn't I signed up just for the info and I, like challenged myself and it was the journey on that so like that's one of those reasons why hard style does mean a lot to me 
Um, and the old and, and the, even the new RKC obviously means a lot to me. But uh, those relationships were awesome um, and really have changed my life. So then we did, you and I did a few things together. Like I, I started helping host at Five Points Academy and I would assist at a lot of that stuff. So that became one of my sort of like responsibilities. And I assisted, I think, two, eight, one or two HKCs and then two user courses. Yeah. And then a few, we did a, one or two Indian club certifications. And then I was at the one workshop. Yep. Um, but I'd come back as leadership at the RKC at that point. So anyway, I'm rambling. Yeah. Let's no, listen no, to no, Phil talk. Good. But, no, but just it's, 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 best, best visual effects producer up to 2010 yeah. to ever attend an RKC. And I was the, I was the best financier. <laughs> I, it's a similar story. I mean, I was in finance. I was in, uh, I, I, you know, I always loved the training. I, I, I remember, for as long as I can remember, I was, you know, I was in, an athlete in middle school, high school, uh, loved training, loved lifting weights. Uh, you know, the typical, I was in the weight room in high school, just trying to squat heavy, heavy bench heavy, all the, you know, the normal stuff. Reading Muscle Magazine, you know, just obsessed with it. But, um, and then, yeah, when I, when, uh, I, I worked at a gym, a local gym here, it was kind of, um, boot camp based, right? I was teaching classes at the art museum all year, all year long. And, um, I, uh, that was, it was actually Will who introduced me to the kettlebells. Oh, wow. Like, yeah. And, and I was like, well, and he's like, you know, you gotta go to the surf in uh, Minneapolis at the time. I'm thinking, man, this has got to be, this is incredible, you know? And I didn't know how to snatch. I mean, you know, I was, I was literally, I was literally bringing the bell all the way to the floor and then just throwing it overhead. And I remember just, I remember training for that first serve, which I think was 07. I think it was the first one I went to. And um, I just remember every day, I'm like, I gotta add two snatches. I gotta add two snatches. <laughs> I just, and I think at the time it wasn't a hundred. It was, uh, I, I think it was. It was based off of uh, your your body weight in kilos, and then you were only allowed one hand switch. It was one of those, and you had to rest in the overhead position. I mean, it was good. now come to think of it, that's a good. That was a good. That was a fun test to do. Uh, it, it, you know, it's different now, but I, I enjoyed that actually very much. But um, yeah, it's it's similar journey, man. You just jump ship, and and like you, I just I was always, you know, that's what I respect about you. You you came in, you're like I, I'm not so concerned about the cert i just want to learn you know yeah I mean, that's what it's all about is i just want to learn the information i want to know what what's going on here <laughs> it, it's so that the, cool. the yeah. dread of the snatch test is something and, and you know in, in dvrt we have a clean and push press test and i believe you have a clean and uh press test in, in dv8 um which we'll talk about in a bit but you know the challenge was the snatch test and that's what everybody ends up focusing on and it's a shame like um it's like a mixed blessing. I do think there's a lesson learned when you train yourself to accomplish this goal. I also think, especially in the olden days uh, of the RKC, you didn't know what you were going to be in for, but you knew it was going to be extremely, extremely difficult. And I don't want to be like one of those in the old days, you know, but like, I think I was like one of the last groups of like punishments and bring your bells to the bathroom. And around that studio, the, the facility in Downington, PA, like, you know, suitcase carries around this thing because somebody sat in the wrong position, you know, and this would be like a yeah. hundred people walking around that 80, 90 to hundred people walking around suitcase carrying after having done the snatch test within the first 30 to 45 minutes. 
So on one end of the thing, if you pass the snatch test in the morning without any, there was no coaching, it was just go do. Um, if you passed it, you had the relief of it. You could sort of focus on, well, for me, focus on the education in my hands because I didn't believe, I didn't tear my calluses off, but I got a friction burn. I was one of those. Um, yeah, yeah. And I remember poor Steve Millis and Sandy and Lena Caracelli uh, patching my hands like between every sort of movement oh, break we had. I remember that. Yeah. But if you failed it, the, your weekend sucked. Like I remember there was a younger dude, um, I won't name, but like his soul was crushed within 45 minutes of a very expensive, very mysterious weekend. Side note question. Before you took your cert, how much knowledge or, or things have you seen about what actually happens at the RKC? Like, did Will fully, fully, fully dial you in? Or, like, what had you actually seen happen before Absolutely that? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely. I just knew – I remember I remember him saying, you just got to do the snatch test. So you got to learn how to snatch. And I'm like, all right, well, I don't really know what I'm doing. And that's what I was saying. Every day I would just snatch. And I'd be like so frustrated because my hands would be ripping in there. And I'm just like, this is not going to happen. But I was so, I was so into the idea of learning something new, you know, and traveling somewhere. At the time, I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. And I'm, I'm going to travel the train <laughs> and learn something new that I can bring back here and, and you know, teach my students. Um, but let me ask you something. The, the, I, I'm, I'm glad you say like the old, old times because I, I think about this a lot. And, and I just remember that in that time, things were so different. I, I don't know how to describe it. And maybe it's just because kettlebells were new to the scene or whatever the case may be. But I just remember that that group, um, there was no, there wasn't really any ego involved. You know, it was kind of like everybody was there to just learn and teach, you know. And, and it was, yeah, you got, you got, you got, you kicked. You got the crap picked out of you. I mean, that was that was the experience. But really, that's what I remember. I'm like, what happened to that time? Okay, you know, it wasn't about ego. Of course, there was no Instagram, so you know, it wasn't about you know likes or anything like that. It just was a different time. It, it, you, really in any of the other episodes or when I talk about it, I think a lot of like the worst aspects of the hard style ego started from internally from the members and not leadership. Because if I look at myself now, right, like now I'm 10 years in, uh, I worked so hard. I was so proud and kind of nailed this, in, you know, incredibly challenging. And I say mysterious thing. I saw two videos on YouTube. One was like, I think Brett Jones pressing something, Steve Cotter jumping up and down a table doing a pistol squat. And then there was like a grad workout at St. Paul. Those were like the only videos I had. And then fortunately, Steve Millis was already a level two. So he was able to cue me in. But like learning it and practicing versus being in the situation. But I think that level of elitism, we were so proud of it. And it went from being like, like a bunch of skate, like if I were to go into my history, a bunch of skateboarders, like this is our crew, this is our special little thing, to being yeah. like our special little thing made us better than everybody else that skates a different way than us. And I think we did it a lot. And I, I can point to two specific moments of that um and again listeners i'm, I'm not throwing anyone to the bus i i know okay. i was i was this and i was so proud and like all the times i assisted and stuff um i know that i was part of this problem but i i remember uh there was a primal move course going on right before the split happened it was the first one in i think it was the first or second one in new york and uh there was a video that josh hankin had put out 
And Josh was an early RKC, I think 2007. I don't know if he was in yours, but around that same window of time. And Josh had been teaching kettlebells for years at this point. We're talking like 2012, I guess, if we're leading into the split. And he was doing sprinter stance stuff, right, with him and his wife. And a couple of people, part-time trainers, started ripping on him. And I'm like, you guys, like, have you talked, Josh? Have you learned, like, do you know how smart he is on all aspects of, of training? Like, do you know his background at all? Because I already certed with him, like, right after the RKC, I took my first cert with Josh. I'm like, do you know his wife's a physical therapist? You know, he's been doing this for like a decade. Like, and, and what's interesting now, 10 years later, sprinter stance is like a common thing. People like, like to be like, look, beyond the big six, here's a sprinter stance. Like Josh has been doing that for years. So that was like, um, that was one of those first moments. And then there was another one where, you know, we would hold these standards. So uh, listeners, if you haven't gone through, like every cert usually has some sort of a test, whether it's a strength test, a technique test, a written test. And, you know, in hard style kettlebell land, the, the standard, you have to meet the standard, walk the walk, talk the talk. And then I just started seeing a lot of people like kind of saying that a lot, not really doing it. Like I remember uh, my last uh, SFG event was awesome. It was the dome and I was assisting on the level two side. It was epic. But there was a member on my team struggling with his pull ups and, and, and couldn't clear finish the last rep. And one of the other assistants, kind of gave him the nod and then looked at me. And now I'm in the position of like, we're holding standards, we're this. And I had to fail him when this other guy was ready to pass him. But I'm like, he didn't make the standard. And I felt like an asshole, right? And here's the thing. So I was already thinking about leaving at that time and what options I had. But like two or three weeks later, maybe a month later, that same assistant that was going to give him a pass wrote a blog about the standards because everyone was trying to shit on the RKC as they were kind of reforming. And I was like, this is what I wish more people could see. So anyway, long story. I think we did it to ourselves as members, not leadership first. And then I think as a lot of members became leadership, I think it perpetuated a little bit. Um, there's a lot of uh, uh, titles are really to be respected um, and hard earned. But it's also like it doesn't necessarily make you a better coach or a more profitable coach. People lose it that it's a part of a skill set that's very specific within a greater world of what fitness is. You know, it's like saying I'm a master painter. Yeah. Like what's your meat, you know, or master artist, but what's your medium. Right. Mm -hmm. So that was a long one to that. Where do you yeah, think it went wrong? Where, where do you think, I don't, even if it went wrong, where do you think that started to creep in? Uh, you know, I, I would say, I, I, I probably would say when, I think the things just changed when, when everything split. To me, that's what happened. Um, and I think, and I think this is maybe a natural. This is maybe a natural tendency that you know it's competition. So you split up, then all of a sudden, you, you know, people have to choose sides, <laughs> and uh, you know, then you start competing with each other and who's better, who's best. Where, where, unfortunately, what happened was what was lost was. And which was unfortunate is that really the people that suffered were the students in the end, uh, in my opinion, you know, I, so I fully I, agree with that. I've always been about the education, just like you, I've always been about the education. I want to learn, I want to learn. So I want to go places where I'm going to learn. If I'm not learning here, then I don't want to be, you know, so, but I think that's what happened. I think that's where it went. I think that's where it started in my head. And then you started getting this competition and then it just, I don't know. It just kind of <laughs> ballooned into something. 
I never was, I have to be honest, I never ever was comfortable. I would say in the beginning, I shouldn't say that. In the beginning when I went through my level two with RPC and then I was, I got, I, I got my team leader um, promotion. I was of course excited because you know, you, you, promotions are exciting. Um, and then I would say up until the senior level, it was good. And then all of a sudden I, I started to feel uncomfortable with the title. And, and it started to feel more like, oh, look at this person. He's a senior or he's this person. He's on this pedestal. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. it's just kind of uncomfortable. And I didn't like it. I never, I, have, I never liked, you know, I think I said this to um, some students a while ago. I'm like, I, I don't really care about the shirt necessarily. I mean, I, I'd rather just wear a regular shirt and just stand up here and teach because yeah. I just like to teach. So I don't really care about the title as much. I know some people do, and that's a major point, and, and I, I respect that. That's their path. But um, I, I, I think right about that senior level, I started to get really just kind of uncomfortable with it. I remember I actually happened to be there when you got promoted both to senior and master. I was at courses when it was happening. I was also, I just remembered me and Matt Flaherty were rooming together for a certified CICS certified Indian club specialist or when we got the news yeah. of the split, when somebody yeah. posted yeah. up on the forum, like get on the forum. Now, Pavel just dropped yeah. a bomb. And Dennis was with the organization at that time. Dennis Armstrong, miss you Dennis. And uh, we were like, we came out and we're like, I think we might have broke the news to you and Brett that it was official. And yeah, it was like, you know, it's weird. I, 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 I'm always cautious. I try, like, it's always weird because, like, you know, you and I, you teach for your brand and, and you know, other groups as well, like FMS and, and you know, I teach for a few groups. Um, and I want people to value. I never wanted people, like, to be dismissive of their initials um, and the hard effort. So, like, the shirts, like, cherish them, right? I just posted a Facebook picture of all my shirts that I've, I've sort of earned in Kettlebell Land. And, uh, you know, like there's stories, there's history, there's friendships in all of them. And I want people to cherish that. It's like the elitism attached to it or the ego attached to it. Like basically for all of us, whatever your big box local gym is, there's some trainer that no one knows that doesn't have a big skill set that's crushing more dollars than all of us. And I think it's lost on a lot of people uh, and maybe social media is a part of it. Maybe it was the split was a part of it where leadership then starts to represent like maybe an oversell of how well they're doing, you know, either from a technique standpoint, from a strength standpoint, from a business standpoint. Cause like, let's face it, not a ton of leadership people in any group own their own gyms. Um, quite frankly, you hear of even pre pandemic, you hear a lot of places closing. So it's like this misrepresentation of how awesome a title might be. Um, team leader, for example, like for most groups, it's awesome. I mean, mm -hmm. but nobody really realizes like your travel is usually not paid for what yeah. your rate is that you're still there for like a four day weekend at best. Cause you got to set up and you got to pack down, but you know, there's a lot of work in it. So it's this <laughs> title and, it, and you know, people really want it. I know I certain certain sure shit did. Um, yeah. but when you start to realize like what comes with it, but you know, I know I ended up doing that as assisting. I, I think, I think for me, I just had that moment where since this was my second field, my, my second career and I didn't have a background in it, I wasn't athletic. I was like a skater. Um, assisting was a way for me to do two things, to really learn from more teachers and to help others. Cause like I always say that like Sandy, Lena and Millis, Steve really shaped yeah. that experience with you. Um, that if I could share that and it, 
I ended up assisting a bunch. And eventually I was just like, you know, I love this, but I would actually rather just hang out with these people now than go and spend an entire weekend training, not making money, not seeing my family. I'd rather like, can't we all just go on a vacation and hang out? You know what I mean? Um, what did you, let, let's, let's, let's do this. Since we were there for the, when we found out about the split basically together, what, what, what was your first thought or, or being on the inside? Did you see that there was a, a, a ripple happening there or was it like, boom? No, that was, uh, from my remember, when I, no, it was, a, it was, a completely, um, like from left field. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I, I think I was more just like, I don't really understand. <laughs> Like, which is, I don't really understand what happened. That was more of my first thought, like, okay. But then I'm like, all right, well, well, I guess we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I don't really know, you know, what the, I didn't want to, I didn't want to jump to conclusions or make, you know, assumptions at that time. Um, and I just kind of just stepped back and was like, all right, let me just see what, what's going on here and what, what shapes out. Uh, it was, it was just, so uh, weird and sudden and severe. Like the there, when Pavel wrote that post, it was there was no <laughs> no no like maybe things will work out. It was like this is done. And then there was this. I will say there was this kind of cool window. People don't remember now of like what's it going to be. You know, like nobody we didn't have a name. There wasn't a logo yet. Like and then when it launched, it was pretty. I mean, it was pretty epic. And and clearly, I know from. Um, my point of view, and I think a lot of the instructors at the time is, you know, it wasn't that I had any issues with Duquesne, but all my teachers went to Strong first, you know? So, I mean, you went there and Whitley went there and Brett went there and Chang went there. Everybody went there. So that was like, and John, you know, it, it was like hard not to follow that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I slowly got to know some of the people on the RKC side, but eventually like, I was just working in a, well, I should say working. That's another one, right? People assisting, assistants are so valuable, but it also becomes an ego thing when like, clearly you're the greatest if you're assisting a lot. <laughs> so clearly you're the greatest if you work for free a lot. Um, well, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to ever take away from people, but like there's perspectives that we need to keep our heads sort of straight on. And, and, and I lost sight of that, but it's like, oh yeah, no, you know, like it's a great honor, but the, the company also has a lot of great people doing great work for free for them. So it should yeah. be reciprocated yeah. some ways. Like yeah. I remember like shirts started, stopped getting handed out to people that were assisting and shit. And you're like, really? Can it do, can it do a shirt? It's a shirt. <laughs> Just give me my shirt. Um, yeah, man. It's, uh, man, what a journey. Before we breeze by some big changes, let, let's talk about yeah. for people that weren't there at the beginning of Strong First. Uh, what was it like? I was I assisted at SFG two, so that was the Boston one right after the bombing, right uh, after the marriage. Yeah, that was yeah, that was right when that yeah that was was that, was that, that your was, first SFG or were you with the one? I think they had one in Utah before that. Am I I might be making that up? Uh, was I not? No, I was not at the Utah one. Um, but I was at the Boston one. I remember that because that was the, that was the weekend they caught the, the, the yeah part there. Yeah, it was that was. Uh, I mean, that was electric for many reasons. But like literally, we had attendees. Um, I had somebody on my team. Uh, I was assisting uh, Ron Farrington. We had somebody on our team that like I think their niece or nephew saw the guy, one of the guys or a suspect, and they held him into they they held him into questioning, and he couldn't make it to the um to the event on day one. So I had to pull him aside on day two and sort of catch him up to speed. 
And I remember on day one, our, our, our yeah. catering couldn't come. Remember that? Yeah, so they I ended remember. up just getting a bunch of pizzas. And I remember <laughs> laughing my ass off when Pavel just sounded like, sleeked out of this office, out of this office and grabbed a whole pie and went in. I don't, I mean, I'm sure there are other people in there, but it was just bizarre. But yeah, that was a crazy man. So really, day, was, like, you know, day one, that one's kicking in. What, what was going through your head? Um, like basically for a lot of us, it was the first, it was this, literally the only, the second strong first event in existence. Yeah. What was that like for you energy wise and, and mood wise? Well, man, first of all, energy wise, I mean, in itself, just the whole thing about what was happening outside of that, that set was crazy. Um, and, and I remember it was just, it was, it was kind of, there's a lot of energy because of that. And a lot of, you know, people were nervous and this and that. But the cert itself, I mean, I remember, jeez, uh, I, uh, it was, uh, I know I'm missing somebody, but uh, Jason Pock and um, Tim Anderson were my assistants in that one, I believe. Um, and I remember just, uh, I just remember loving, I just remember being there thinking, man, I love this. Like, I love my job. I, I love being here. I, this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to teach. Um, I love leading teams. I always enjoyed that. I always loved meeting people. And you, and you got to build relationships with people over the, over the days, you know, and you see all their progress through the, the three days. And you get to know the assistants more. And it just, it just was like, there was a lot of energy there. And of course, that was when I got promoted to master at that time in that surf, um, which was, again, you know, awesome. I, I, was, I, was, I was super uh, happy. Um, I think that was Jeff Newport's last one, too. I think that was his last surf. Yeah, it might have been. I think that was the last one he taught. So, uh, you know, he was there. It was, it was cool, man. It was just, I just remember being like, it just was like a blur in a way. It just went so fast. and. There was also so much energy inside the building and there was a lot of stuff going on outside and it was just a good time, you know? Uh, and I was grateful for, you know, just being there and being able to do what I love to do. That's it. Like, I've always have been that way. Like, every time yeah. I left the team, I was like, this is awesome. I love this job. It's, I it's, love being here. Uh, it's such a cool like experience. You meet people and, you, and, and they become like your colleagues and you see them. You know, I, I still remember, I mean, from years and years ago, you still see people now come through that, you know, have their own gyms now or whatever the case. It's just cool to see. You build great relationships with, with students along the way. Um, yeah, it's awesome. I, 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 I remember the intros. I remember being super, like, super excited and nervous. Like, I was always on this weight cut thing because of the bell. Like, I was a 44 or 48 guy. I remember weight cutting, like, checking my weight over at Mike Perry's place. And then we yeah. came in and, uh, you know, knocked out, you know, our testing. I think Mike Perry, I think, blew like his hamstring or something, like something almost dropped on a windmill or something. And I remember Jeff snagged that. Um, and then Tim, that's the first time, like, Tim and I had, I think, corresponded, Tim Anderson. And that's when uh, I ended up kind of driving Tim and Jeff back and forth. I was, we were talking about bringing them to Five Points Academy to do the first – uh, it was becoming bulletproof then, and then it became the original strength pressing reset thing or original strength foundations at the time. So we were going back and forth a lot and Tim and I obviously hit it off and sort of that, that is what led me eventually to ending up become, you know, getting involved with original strength. And now awesome. I get to teach for them for awesome. a number of years, but it yeah. is that, but I remember like what I remember was there was this almost mystery of Pavel, it, it, you know, like there was this gap between the groups and then Pavel came out. 
like when you're when you go around the room and it was packed and there was this energy when he stepped on with like brand new converse it was it was so cool um and what was nice on that one was like they had already dialed away a lot of the punishment stuff like it was like practical application hashtag sort of punishment but it already loosened up a little bit um and that's where i do think it became a little bit too much about member ego uh in particular uh but yeah that it's like when you look through the when i when i look through those courses now like the insane level of people because uh i was assisting with lauren jason's wife um yeah on uh yeah. LeBron. Yeah. and it was just awesome and you get to meet these people and i think there's a lost art i mean even pre-covid like i guess we have to like talk things like there's the old rkc yeah. and there's pre-covid um yeah. people w one of the things that i think gets gets lost is when courses became so available right like when strong first you know breaks into more cities when the rkc very deliberately became smaller courses so that we could be more mobile um when people don't need to travel, you lose that connection with a place. One of the great things about OS is OS pros in a non science fiction movie. Um, they all happen at North Carolina. So everybody sort of has to go down there. Yeah. And a lot of the old RKC events, the level twos in particular, or CKFMS um, had to happen in St. Paul. So you have this, not only the shared coursework, but you have the, the same hotel, the same bar, that same yeah. shitty, shitty field that's full of twigs and dirt that you're doing get-ups on for hours, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, that, no, and I, no, I, I, wish more, I wish more people would have it. And, and that's one of the, maybe yeah. that's another part of the problem if it's like, hard style was so precious back then because not a lot of people knew it. Like I think when I went up on the Dragon Door Forum, forum there was maybe like 10 in New York maybe 20 in New York. And now there's probably hundreds between all the groups, right? Mm -hmm. And back then you're like, all right, this is rad. But then it becomes so accessible that like you can actually have an in-service with like your top coach or not even your top coach at a gym and learn a really good technique where, yeah. so like I, mm -hmm. I might've gone through a snatch test and earned these initials, but there's somebody here that never did. And they have the education, but what they sometimes lose is the application and, and the community event feeling of being at the cert. Yeah. Um, I know like when I teach, like one of the things I try to do is bring the guards down. Like, yeah, there's going to be this test, but this is about learning and this is about our shared time together. It's not about this. I want you to appreciate and earn that, but I don't want you to lose what's happening in these, in this room, this facility, this gymnasium, this outdoor area for the next 16 hours. This is the game changer. Right. Um, so there's just something about that. I remember just Minneapolis. There's something about that place, man. Because the Liffey. It, it, I know what you're saying. It was like a like a mystery, not a mystery set per se, but like it just was. It was like I hate to say the word energy again, but it was like a, it was a certain energy there, you know. But yeah, I, I would say you're right. It's it's you know you, things are more accessible now, so it's, it's, it does change the game a little bit. <laughs> Which isn't a bad thing. Like the bright side of that, though, is that more people. Yeah are getting trained at a better ability at a higher quality. I mean, that is the ultimate end goal of any education group. It's like being like, I love Green Day when they were small. Well, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> it's too late now, but like, doesn't mean everyone that listens to him's a dick. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about, I guess this is a good time to just get in it. Uh, hey, yeah. Phil, you made some big changes this year. Uh, so did I. So uh, <laughs> anything you want to share on that? Oh, geez. Uh, well, 
You know, I, all I have to say is, um, I know there was a lot of people on social media. I, I put a post out uh, on Facebook, <clears throat> I guess about a year ago. Is it? About a year? I don't remember now. But um, yeah, I put a post on Facebook, uh, basically just kind of just putting my thoughts out there. Um, I don't know if you read it or you saw it, but um, you know, just kind of it's just what I felt. You know, it's just what I felt at the time, and I, I think it was the I know it was the right choice for me. Um, but as far as, as, as far as, um, uh, strong first is concerned, I, that's definitely a topic I'd rather not discuss at this time. Um, but, uh, no, it's, uh, but I, I, you know, I appreciate you bringing it up. I do. But, uh, it's, it definitely you know, leads into like the big thing to talk about. Yeah, um, it, was, it was a change for the good. It was a change for the good. Yeah, I mean, listeners, look, uh, Phil and I, full transparency, I was like, Phil, people are going to want to know this, but I don't care if you don't want to tell it, like, because this is like Phil. Um, it's his reasoning. Uh, one thing that we did talk about before we hit record is, with all of the ego stuff, potentially, and with all of the, like, picking of sides, uh, we both agree that we wish more of you knew what was going on behind the scenes, truly, um, of any group to before you just boldly back up something like so I, I do try to sometimes separate myself from like uh, appreciating you know um appreciating the education and how i can apply it versus like i've gone to some things where i'm like that didn't seem run really well um fortunately that doesn't happen often but if you knew it was like the background and you know your cousin or your buddy or the gym owner that happens to rep a brand likely doesn't have that input either um, there's tends to be politics. Yeah. There tends to be rules. I tend to come from like an abundance mindset where like, I'm, you know, I never really took it as a competition other than to try to like one. So, so I guess yeah. we should bring up really quickly to go to me. Um, about, I guess three years before Phil left strong first, I was only assisting for strong first. I can, I, I was in lead, I was in contention for a team leader spot. Um, but I had a great opportunity um, to work with Josh Hankin, who was reconnecting back with the RKC. John was always good to me. And it was an opportunity that like, I, I was not going to get anywhere else. And um, it did allow me to bypass a lot of politics because I could basically just do the thing the way I teach it. So me teaching an RKC was like a very fury way of teaching an RKC, which is how you hear me speak here. And if you yeah. would take a session with me. And yeah. so I didn't have any like sort of like a Guidelines. I really got critiqued on like two things. Once, uh, while assist, uh, while co-teaching with Dan John, apparently I said the phrase "Don't be a dick" in terms of this ego stuff, and uh, someone complained to John about it, and that was the one piece of feedback, probably the most negative piece of feedback that I've ever received. And with that's it, I'm cool with it. You all get some negative feedback about the place was too small. I wish they had videos. I wish they had a digital manual. I wish somebody. Had, I wish he had more hair. Um, but uh, that never. That one never happened. But uh, I really wish you could see the backgrounds of all groups because, you know, some of them put on a rep, but I've had people like I've had people in leadership positions of certain groups just tell me, you know, like, I feel like they don't really hear me. And I actually feel like they put me down. Um, or, you know, I don't want to I want to I don't want to be specific here. But I know the title might build me business. So I'm going to take the title. And you'll never see the background story of that in an Instagram post. And no, no. And we were talking like, I'll throw myself under again. It's like, you know, when I left, 
I knew people were going to be disappointed and a couple of people that really supported me were going to be angry because I assisted a few people a lot. And um, it was just weird. I was new. Folks, like, if you didn't know me, I was going through a divorce and I was like, kind of like a little bit, like not homeless, but like I was couch surfing a little bit. Like my life was in complete disarray. I left a six-figure job to uh, basically make the equivalent of a fry cook. And, uh, you know, I was trying to get my shit together and I was trying to figure out like, how do I learn? How do I get better? How do I actually become a business person? And how do I, what I now know is like, how do I learn to shed my ego and get out of my own way? Um, I was called a traitor, <laughs> which is like, what? It's kettlebells. Uh, and I went back to the original group. Like, so there's the source talk, right? Like that always was a thing. Back, yeah. Well, our yeah. curriculum was from the same source. You guys, I'm not battling bands, by the way. If you, you can like, you can actually like uh, NSYNC. And what's the other one? I don't remember the name of the other boy band. How am I forgetting uh, the other? Uh, Backstreet Boys. You can like both of them, right? Yeah. Um, and then yeah. like, and then like some, uh, an attendee in particular reached out to me at my last course that I, uh, I assisted at for Strong First and was like super pissed. And I'm like, dude, I had a, this great opportunity to provide, to teach what I want to do um for and, yeah. and help expand you know help help shine light on josh hankins dbrt program which is another thing that is just as dear to me um i started it a month after and uh you know they also felt like these conversations were in the background like i just like folks like phil and i talked about it. i was like phil what do you think and phil was basically like way out how this helps you it's an opportunity yeah. um you know i spoke to people in the background that i was closer to not everybody uh, so it wasn't done in a bubble. And I remember the nicest moment was when we go back again with original strength is we went to the first uh, level two course for that, the pro and iron tamer, Dave Whitley was there and Dave and I had known each other a while. And I thought he was going to tear me a new asshole. Like I, I, I'd say we were like friendly, but we hadn't become friends yet. Mm -hmm. And Dave was like the nicest, most supportive. And he was just like, you know, when people came at me about you moving over there, I just figured like Steve got a great opportunity and he took it. And I wish all of you with everything could just think not about me, but about yourselves instead of getting caught in this dogma of mystique of it all. Because quite frankly, like none of the cert stuff secret anymore. Right. So we can put that aside now. Uh, well, before we go into your new thing, um, I actually also resigned from the RKC this year, pre pandemic for my own reasons. John Duquesne, th you know, I'm so grateful for everything he's done for me. Um, there were elements of teaching that I didn't love. I do think kettlebell tends to bring a lot of like, really this many years later, the sides, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I want to be able to support my friends, focus on my gym. How can I support them now? In a COVID land, I can't host the way I'd like to because we're so damn small. But, um, you know, I want to be able to represent anybody regardless of a brand uh, because I want to go by people and education, right? So there's that. So I am also now not... We feel like Fury's just saying that shit because he's picking a side. I got no sides. <laughs> I got no sides doing, in this game. You're doing your thing, man. That's I'm just it. doing my thing, right? And, and, yeah. Which brings me, though, to yeah. your new thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know I've sent you a couple of messages since it started. Like, I think you're doing really cool shit because I think it is an approach that people need. Um, tell us a little bit about what you got going on, the name of your new program, your new cert, and um, – well, Go yeah, for it. It's, so it's the VBA Kettlebell Teaching Certification. And it's uh, really our core values is education and community. That's it. That, it's always been that way for me and, and uh, for Pan. When we run a certification, that's what it's always been about. 
So we, we, that's our emphasis during the, obviously the weekend, uh, where as far as education, I have come up with a, a completely new way of teaching kettlebells. Uh, in fact, it's, it's really the way that, um, that, um, I train myself. Um, and as far as the teaching component, that was one of the things that I wanted to emphasize in the certification was the teaching component, because like you have been, I've been to a lot of different certifications over the years. Um, and the one thing that I always saw lack was teaching. So you can go to any certification out there. And you can learn new skills, new complexes, new ways to program, new, I don't care, you can come up with all the best stuff, but nobody puts it together and says, okay, now here's how you teach it. Yeah. <laughs> like here's how you teach individuals, here's how you teach the groups. And, and have fun and go, do it. I, I can't tell you over the years how many times people have left the cert and said, well, okay, how do I, like, how do I put this into practice? I'll like, be honest. I'm, 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 like, yeah. I'm one of those guys. I yeah. mean, it's, as great yeah. as it was, I learned how to teach the kettlebell movements, but I will always say like, I actually learned how to coach people more specifically with Josh's program because it dealt more on like actually building a person from the ground up as opposed to a movement from the ground up. That's yeah. not a, anything that yeah. you did obviously, but yeah, no, no, no. Um, back so then. That, that I said, you know, we have to focus on the teaching component. That, that has to be a huge part of it. So in, in the uh, certification, I designed uh, a, a very simple way that you can take someone who has just passed their personal training certification, who's just getting into training and be able to use this system and follow it very simply. And then you can take somebody who's been training for 15 years, take them and say, here, take this, take this and follow this program very easily, you won't miss anything. So. And I apply that to individuals. I teach you how to do these individuals. I also group classes and group training. Um, so that was another huge component. Um, so uh, basically, as far as the kettlebell component is concerned, it's a much more streamlined approach. I get rid of all the roadblocks. I take you to the point where, you know, it's almost like you're relearning movements again. It's really what the feedback I received from those, especially those who have been training bells with for a long time, they're like, man, this is like going back to the basics again and relearning everything. Like I'm sore and like I used to, I still, when I started, not that that's an indicator, but it's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of rewiring, reworking all these patterns. Um, and so that's another part of the certification that we emphasize this new streamlined approach to teaching kettlebells. It's super important. Okay. and. It's something I'm excited about. I'm not, I, I checked out the website last week and to see when the next online was. I guess I just missed one because it was PA, but I'm, I'm going to give it a shot at some point. Yeah, um, yeah. Because a lot of what, you, you know, even from the teacher leadership roles uh, on any group, you know, what happens is, is like, look, you know, if, if you go back to the curriculum from the start, you know, RKC, you know, if we take the name, the initials out of it, you know, it's, it's, it's over 10 years old now, um, 13, 14 years. Like, I mean, 2007 yeah. was what, year one, I think, or year two. Yeah. Um, it, it, it hasn't changed that much. You know what I mean? Like, it, listeners, like, the biggest changes in, in the curriculum, um, I can only speak, by the way, I can only speak to Strong First up to 2013, and I can speak to the RKC up to today, is the changes were rules in the snatch test, the changes were double bell to single bell. Uh, yeah. A couple of weight classes changed. 
um, pull-ups or planks or push-ups, depending on the group. And, uh, yeah. you know, one of the nicest things that I did see is the RKC broke down um, the get-up into, like, a quadrant thing that I really like that helps me teach um, that I use. But, like, overall, a lot of it's been the same. So to have a fresh approach regardless and, you know, again, part of this ego-driven uh, initial thing is people like, this is my kettlebell cert. So I'm not going to go do another kettlebell cert. So here's the thing. If, 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 and and I, I, this is obviously my opinion, but if that's your train of thought, you are missing out on a lot of education. You can't have that way of thinking because there's so many different ways to train someone. Yeah. There's not one perfect way. You know, if there was one perfect way, then, then everybody would be fit, right? I mean, it would be easy to train somebody. There's not. Everybody has issues. Everybody comes from different backgrounds. And if you're a good coach, you have to take all that into consideration. Um, the other thing that I wanted to emphasize of this, on this certification is that I always really disliked the fact that there was um, a weight requirement, right? And that you had to get to this weight in order to use this bell. And if you did it this weight, you have to use this bell. And, and to me, it never, ever made any sense from a teaching perspective, it never made sense to me, all right? So I was like, I'm not doing this. I'm not basing off of weight. I'm not basing off of gender, age, weight, doesn't matter. I want, I want to bring this, I want to bring everybody into this spot, completely inclusive, where everybody's welcome to come, and it's strictly based off of strength. That's it. Wherever you are, that's where you're at. And so that's how I came up with this clean and push press test. You, you know what, you just... You know, you just said yeah. that's like an important thing. We, we, I'll, I'll, I'll call it out if, you know, yeah. that's the opposite of most kettlebell groups. Like no matter where you are come in now, yeah. most kettlebell groups yeah. um, are the, I shouldn't say most, the big two, at yeah. least uh, mm -hmm. I'll say on one of them, it's dependent on who's teaching it. Not as, not as bad these days. Um, yeah. But like, that's part of it. That is definitely fucking yeah. part of it. Like you yeah. They, they don't want everybody. They want the strongest in the room. And Listen, that brand <laughs> sounds like schmong sparse. But, <laughs> but that is Here's a thing. The thing is this, is that I understand about standards, right? There's standards in the military for a reason. I get it, right? But this isn't the military. It's mm -hmm. not the military. You're training general population, okay? You're not training elite warriors that are coming in here for a certain reason, right? So, and I never, the other thing is I, I if, if you're training someone, and I would say to your listeners, like if, if coaches out there, if you're listening to this, if you're training a student, right? How do I know that, okay, so for females, they have to use this bell. For males, you have to, why do you have to use that bell? Well, because that's what we were told to use. Why? Question, why do I have to use, well, that's because that's what everybody uses. Well, guess what? If I'm teaching a movement, and a 24 kilo is, is they're not, the student's not understanding because it's too heavy or too light, whatever the case may be. I'm not doing my job. So I have to change my load and my bell selection up based on getting that person to understand how to move better. So that's Completely why I was agree. like, I'm getting rid of it. I just want to base it off the of strength, period. Completely agree. So, I know, you know we drop the RKC, oh, I say we, I don't know, they, weird <laughs> i gotta get used to the new terminology um the rkc dropped the press to four 
and team leaders would have, you know, leadership would have their discretion. Um, we want to see technique, but like it really, like I've seen really strong men and women that can lift heavy shit that aren't great coaches. And I've seen people that aren't by definition, super strong that couldn't press that bell that are wonderful coaches, but move well. And I agree with you. Like, yeah. I think there's a lesson again with the snatch test. If we use it, like I, I, I'm, I tried to, I'm not a, the biggest fan of it, but I understand that there's something learned in programming and adapting and learning to something like that. Right. Plus it meant it physically prepares you. If you do a snatch right. test, you should be able to get through two days of swinging. But like in terms of like training people, I don't love it when people try to train their members for the sake of a cert, you know, like quality of an, of a snatch test. Like it should be something right. like if they're, ter if you got to train it for them. Yeah. But it became like a universal training tool. You know, like have all your members start to build towards a snatch test. I remember somebody posted something on Josh Hillis's thing about sprinter stance deadlifts being super dangerous. And I'm like, not to bring sprinter stance stuff back, but I'm like, how is that super dangerous versus adding more weight to the bar if you're offsetting your stance? How is a sprinter stance swing more dangerous than a snatch if you're proficient in a one-arm swing? So that maybe that's where the ego comes in a little bit too. Um, it, of, of using it it's things like gunslinger swings or skier swings whatever name you use it like people are like oh that's not a thing because it's not one of the big six it's like well uh with limited mobility or uh body size body comp like that might be the absolute best swing for somebody uh yeah, thinking right. outside the boxes so i love a lot of what you said i also think coming in kettlebell sang to me is like a skateboard right so i didn't want to just learn how to do like one skateboard trick or six tricks I wanted to like get into other things and that's why like, you know, like juggling from uh, Gus Peterson, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. super yeah. fun. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. Yeah. One, of, it, one of the things I never got into was a uh, sport kettlebell. And then during the pandemic, I actually Carter Berry, who was on, uh, was an attendee on my team at that SFG, that the second SFG in Boston, mm -hmm. Carter's gotten really high level at sport. And I reached out to him like, dude, I like what you're posting out there. Like, let's book a session. Of course, I couldn't get my hands during the freaking pandemic on two comp bells, so it hasn't happened yet. But like, if you really love the thing, it's about the thing, not just like the group that has now defined the thing for you, right? Like I could skate a curb or I could skate in a pool or I could skate over here. Um, and, I, and, and that's one of the things that I loved about what you just said, because, you know, I've checked in with Phil a little bit, uh, you know, during this sending messages and stuff uh, since he started it. And just from the posts and the way Phil's handling himself through this, I, I think it's a breath of fresh air. Um, it's really cool to see. And what wasn't public was like, while Phil was launching this is that I would had already left. I was basically waiting to fill out my last level two course, um, mm -hmm. which was supposed to be in May and then got pushed <laughs> like to August and then was getting pushed in November. And I'm like, you know, uh, I, I'm personally not at the level where, uh, I feel comfortable to teach inside of a, a room in the city just yet um, with, with that many people doing stuff. It's not a judgment call on people. I know my friends have been doing courses and stuff. For me, as the owner of the gym and the lead coach, if I just like randomly end up getting sick, um, that's not a fear of the virus. That's like, I, I got to be the responsible leader because most of my stuff yeah. you know, around my members, if I fuck that up, then what trust yeah. do they have in me? Um, but uh yeah. So like, I, I, it was really cool to see this because there's something exciting to happen. Um, but it was also like, I could, I could be this like completely independent observer on it now without anybody like, there's nothing worse than trying to comment on something that one group or another does. And then people go, Oh, he's the RKC guy. Like somehow I have like, 
a thing on it. Like I didn't agree with some stuff yeah. Dragon Door did during this pandemic yeah. with masks. I certainly didn't love the uh, how Strong First handled Black Lives Matter and, and put out the revolver program during the height of everything. It's nothing against the program, but timing is fucking everything. Um, sometimes not sending a message is a message. But so, but like I was getting messages and like from both pe people on both sides and Steve, you should boycott and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, guys, I'm out. Like I had sending all these private messages like, it's not public yet, but I'm out. <laughs> I'm fucking out of this game. So, yeah, yeah. you know, I just want everybody to yeah. do your thing, right? It's nice to be able to do your own thing and just, and just think the way you want and do what you want, teach the way you want. You know, I, I, I think it's, um, I mean, for me, it's like, it's a liberating. Like I'm excited. I'm, I'm you know, I, I, I just love to teach and, and we have, um, we have a virtual uh, certification coming up in February. Uh, All right, I'm gonna check that one out. Yeah, that'll be listed. We'll, we'll put that up shortly on dbafitness.com. But um, that's the other thing. I, I, the virtual platform, you know, obviously trainers need to adjust to this to do way of living because it's gonna be this way. And, and if you're not, you need to learn how to, <laughs> yeah, you have to. Uh, because now I think right now they're 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 talking about shutting uh, well they're just shut gyms in Philly out. Oh, did they? Yeah, we're, we're, we're basically, uh, listeners, it's uh, November 17th. Washington closed, I believe, yesterday. Massachusetts is waiting for the word. Ohio is expecting, I, like someone of my friends that owns a gym said about maybe Thursday they're expecting to be closed. Yeah. New York has been uniquely singled out by the state um, without any data. Like they're literally just throw us in as like super spreaders, which is completely their zero data. Um, but... Yeah, you know, I, I had a team meeting last week. Last last week, I told my team we're preparing to be shut down. It's not a problem. Um, I told my members that are training in person, this is what's happening. If you didn't go through it the first time, we're going to give you some gear. It's super smooth. Um, yeah. But set, we never. One of the things we did. I mean, again, we're a little unique. We're so small that we never shut down Zoom because or online stuff because some of our members don't feel safe. A lot of yeah. them are dealing with kids homeschooling. Like they just can't leave the house because they have to manage yeah. their kids' cohort schedules and Zoom schedules. Uh, and it also provided us virtual real estate for lost spaces inside the building because of capacity restrictions. We used to be able to get seven people in here fairly comfortably. We'd have 12 at a course at a cert. Um, now we have three members in a coach station, so four. So like that's virtual money-making real estate. So it provides like a lot of... So for us this time, this is just our new model. Like you said, like this isn't going anywhere. We're just gonna have a few few more people inside or a few more people online. And, and, and we're stressing that, that this isn't like a disaster zone closing thing like the first time of unknown. Like this is gonna be the way fitness goes for a while. This is the way workflows are gonna go for everything. Um, and I find confidence in that because now it's a business model thing, right? It's not purely yeah. an act of God kind of thing. It's, it's a yeah. business model thing. And here's the thing with trainers too, you're, you're learning a new skill set. I mean, I've gotten so much better at just, uh, just I, I think I've gotten better at looking at movement now, just, you know, being more descriptive in how you speak, what you say, different cues and what, what you know, different positions, different postures. I mean, it's really, it's pretty cool. And, and CERT runs really well on the Zoom platform. That's what we use. I mean, really it is, we did two in October, worked really, really well. It's, it's a gift yeah. that we have this where so many other industries that are shut in the same category as us don't. Um, yeah. You know, I started realizing 
in July, I started saying we're pretty open. Like I had no idea when we were going to officially be able to open indoors, but we were, you know, still yeah. training people, you know, and then when outside, outside opened, we, you know, we were pretty open. We had people outside, we had people online, we had people doing, yeah. you know, Zooms or monthly programs, which is something I've been doing for years. Um, and then we started the gear shop. So like, we're mostly open, like indoor is part of it. Now I'm also like, I have a, my art, the speakeasy is such a small, low overhead thing. I know bigger places can't afford that city places can't afford that. Like our little, you know, out of nowhere block in Brooklyn, um, even as a storefront, we don't have a lot of foot traffic. So like, our, I, 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 what I'm basically saying is other owners, like I know that your situations are super different, but like Phil said, if you're not like, because you don't like online or don't like zoom pursuing a way to get comfortable with it, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah. And it's just another thing to learn. I mean, why, why, why would you want as a coach to learn a new skill like that? I'll also say you're doing this because you mentioned I'm on the big screen TV. Um, yeah. That is a game changer because we have one right up here to my right of me. Um, I'm not using it because of this, the sit down, you know, the, the, the mic that I'm using, but it really does allow you to stand up because everybody basically ends up sitting at the desk and then stepping back and then sitting at the desk. It allows you to stand up and teach as if you're in. And one of the cool things that's been fun here now is I could have, you know, two to four people on the screen and then I'm going to have two people in the speakeasy and we're still all together as a group. Um, and then I'll also say for those that haven't experienced having to train at home and I didn't realize this when it was happening is now when we close, they know that it's fun and it works because they've now seen my members, you know, their friends doing it now online. So it's not like this new, I don't know, They're like, Oh, like mirror has been crushing this thing. I could do that for like four to six weeks. Yeah. Um, marketing is a little tricky getting new people <laughs> through all this. It is, but you know what? It's it, you. You can still come across with certain energy, you know. And people people feel that, it, you know. It's not like you have to be there in person. People feel that energy, and yeah. uh, people that want to train. I mean, especially now more than ever, the people are in homes all day and sitting, and they just you gotta move. And this is the perfect opportunity to go take advantage of that. And, and I know that people have like Zoom fatigue and all that stuff, but it's different when someone's like investing in their health and seeing other people, or even if it's a one-on-one. Just having a, a, a conversation and uh, just really trying to appreciate the joy of movement and physical effort as opposed to not worrying about PRs and pure technique. Like, you know, we focus on, on, on all that stuff, but just like to actually just experience yeah. movement and yeah. like, what does that feel like to pull a kettlebell or a TRX? You know, what is that like power like? What's it feel like when you just put the bell down after a set of swings? Like, cause at home now, we're not in like nice ergonomic offices. We're yeah. we're at like the dining room oh, table. You're making it work, so yeah, yeah, I'm 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 not gonna lie. Like the desk here, like this is an IKEA desk, and I'm in like IKEA kid chairs basically because they match my color scheme. I, I, I never like the background though. I like the background. Oh, dude, yeah. So like you know, like look, I love, I love it. My Cobra Commander, if uh, folks, you cool. should get on my socials and check out my Cobra Commander helmet. Uh, Phil's, Phil's seen all my Star Wars helmets. I still put those on. Like, we were using them in here. I'll still teach with them on sometimes. Um, I'll, you know, I'll sometimes, like, literally do my work with one of them on because I might have issues. But it's just, like, there's so much heaviness involved in what's going on in the world that I want to be able to still remember that like, you know, I'm here, I'm grateful for this. Like the fact yeah. that the, the fact that the speakeasy yeah. isn't we're, we're this is a weird thing that hits now these new landmarks. We were open nine months when we had to shut down. December 16th will be nine months since 
like living in pandemic era. So we've only had nine months to get our legs solid enough, like a baby deer, to be able to walk through the road, Cormac McCarthy fans. Um, I went and dropped a literature reference. Look at that. Um, film major. I could call the movie, too, with Viggo Mortensen, but I'm going to claim the book because I read it. But, you know, and I think that's something like – when you go to search, if you focus on the snatch test, you miss the communication with your friends, especially if all you talk about is the snatch test. Most of the business stuff that I've learned, the connections that I've learned are from people that were either involved at search with me, assisted with me, or things that I assisted or co-taught that I lean on in advice. And it's just crazy how that works. It's what like a random, this is an example, a random assisting gig. So I was supposed to assist at the second primal move, um, in the city um, for Andrian's, I think it was, my, that one might've been just Andrea. I don't know if Zar came in for that. And Phil Ross, who's an RKC master instructor now at the time was a team leader. Like, I think his wife was supposed to assist and something happened and he needed, you know, fill in. But because Strong First was a thing now, people were like not open to work for the other guy. So I'm like, look, I'm gonna help out. Maybe I'll meet some people. And I ended up meeting like some really good friends that would later train with me and introduce me to Mark Fisher fitness and like are still friends. So like, you know, um, it totally changed my life. Cause that in MFF, I've only worked staff at two places, five points in the MFF. And the two of those couldn't be more different. Like I wouldn't have never learned about Mark Fisher fitness. Um, had it not been for that course. So, uh, you know, like those are the things and then business problem solving. These are the people that I'm, I'm calling up or we're zooming and having a chat like Phil and I and um, mm -hmm. Kelly Manzoni and Tina Morin and Danny Almeida. I think that was all of us on there. Am I missing anybody? Um, there's one uh, gentleman, a uh, guy, I can't, I can't remember his name anymore. Sorry, uh, guy. <laughs> no. Sorry, I can't no. remember. Um, but no, that was a great group. But awesome. we just got online to just talk about yeah. like, hey, how are we problem solving? Like, how are we doing this stuff? And, you know, it's so – yeah, affiliations help make the bonds because there's a shared experience, but it's like the friendships. And like, you know, I'll say uh, half my wedding party was coaches that, you know, people that I've met over the last 10 years now. Yeah. Um, now I wanted to ask you this about your course. We're to, uh, we share a, a love about Indian clubs and Indian club training. And Indian clubs, from my perspective, you know, I think you first saw them uh, in martial arts studios for the most part. And then there was a connection to the FMS. But it's something that sees a little bit of interest, seems like it's going to like cross over and then sort of drops. And I'd say there was the Dragon Door cert was the first one that I noticed. Then there was the courses you were doing with Brett and Dr. Thomas. That was the second sort of. And then Gray did a big push. And then they dropped. And now with like cats like Kelly Manzoni and Paul Volkovinsky and yourself, uh, James Neidlinger with the uh, flexible steel cert. Um, what is it, if you could explain an Indian club, because it's the weirdest thing. It's a part of all of our programming here, but it's the weirdest thing for new people uh, to come in and explain uh, what an Indian club is um, and what you love about it first. And then we'll see like, what are the potential like uh, pitfalls on it? Not quite crossing over the way like a kettlebell has. You know, for me, for, for somebody who doesn't know, I, I, I use it as, an, I just say it's a mobility tool. It's a mobility tool that's going to help your posture, your shoulders, it's going to help with alignment. And all of these are important for your training and living, day-to-day -day living. So I, I try to keep it very simple for, for, 
for students. And then I, I, I try to let them get the club in their hands to start using it right away because I think once they start using it and, and hold it and figure out what their body's doing, they start enjoying it more. Um, so that's a very brief description of what I would say. I use it as a mobility tool for uh, alignment and posture and, and um, and, uh, and that's how it helps with your other lifting. Because a lot of people ask me, well, how does this help with barbell lifting? You know, I always get that question. How does this help with my kettlebell stuff? Well, look, if you have better alignment and your posture is better, you get into a better setup. That's going to help your pull. So, in all these things that, that come into play. Um, so, um, in the CERT, we cover two patterns. We, we introduce an inside out, outside in uh, with doubles and single club. Um, and it's, to me, it's such a great mobility component. It's, it's not like, you know, yes, you can improve mobility by breathing and stuff, but guess what? People are bored when they do that. And, and half the people don't do it right. When you, when you show them all these exercises, they don't do it right. And, yeah. and, and I, I wouldn't do it right either. If somebody showed me, I would, I, you, you miss things. You, and there's a lot of little details and you have to get to the sideline position. And there's like too much. For me, I'd rather say, look, here, hold this club, because people like to hold things and move them, and now let's get, let's start creating circles with them, you know, and, and people just, they zone out, they appreciate it, they, they, they see, they feel the benefits of it right away, um, and, you know, you using them, I know within a session, I can make improvement with somebody's shoulder or their posture, so, I mean, giving somebody a tool that immediately changes something, to me, is like, I mean, I, you got to use them in every session. I use them in every session. So. Especially now, I, I, they really are, aside from like, you know, taking a moment to breathe and lay down and relax. And again, people overplay yeah. the breathing thing because it's like people still need to move. Um, yeah. Yeah. It is the great, the great undesker right now in this like Zoom desk bound, not commuting yeah. land. It is the great undesker. And I think that's one of the things like, you know, people come in and like, it feels nice, but there's a coordination element to it that surprisingly uh, can take a while yeah. to kind of start to get competent in it. And people like, you know, everyone wants to get good at things really quickly. And so it takes some patience to, to do something that seems relatively simple. Listeners, uh, if you don't know Indian clubs, why are you listening to this show? We've had like a bunch of people interested in on him, including Dr. Thomas himself has been on here. Yeah. Um, we, a lot of fans of Indian clubs, but uh, they basically look like juggling pins um, or bowling pins. And you basically do circle circular motions with them. And they just really do. They're, they're wonderful mobility drills in terms of posture, uh, shoulder girdle. Your sh I know for me, they just help my shoulders so much. Um, keeping my elbows healthy um, is a big and here's part. Here's thing: when, when you talk about a lot of coaches talk about active rest and doing, you know, I can't think of a better tool to use with when you when it comes to active rest than teaching somebody to kind of move around a little bit because most people aren't going to do that. But if you give them something, <laughs> yeah. now they have to use it, <laughs> and now they're relaxing and they're you know they're doing something different than what they were doing before. So yeah, and uh, even with even if you don't have the club. It's just a good movement to do. We have a lot of people that don't have clubs. We've tried yeah, to hand them out. Just um, with the arms. Yeah, and in the city, it's like even the room to have like two clubs is like sometimes that's a premium. I don't take advantage of, you yeah. know, I'm aware of, I should sure. say, I don't take advantage of, but I'm aware yeah. of it. Um, what do you think's been the, like the hardest part of like that crossing over? Because I think universally, people love them. I do think there's like, a, the, uh, we'll talk about it later. Uh, I'll pick up this point after. Uh, what, but what do you think has sort of stopped it from crossing over? Because do you agree that there's been these waves of interest 
Yeah, and it seems like it's at its highest right now because there's the most availability. It is. Um, I don't know. You know, when I'm talking to Dr. Thomas, I, I, I know that, you know, this is just going back. Uh, let's see. Geez. Um, what was it? I know that uh, even before the 1900s, early 1900s, it, it's always been this way. There's always been waves. <laughs> Oh, really? Popular and then it hasn't, and it's been lost. When sports started in the 20s, it got lost. You know, everything got lost, all fitness like stopped. But then it started to find its way back again into the culture. I, I don't know. I, I, I think people, I think fitness, I, I, we're always, I think our, most of us, um, uh, especially new people of fitness, are always interested in the new thing. Yeah. And, and this, this just, even though it's an old tool, it's new for a lot of people. And, and unfortunately, I think a lot of people are grabbing, I shouldn't say this unfortunately because there's benefit to it, but I think a lot of students want to go heavier. They, they want to use a heavier club. They want to move it faster, you know? And, and that's just the mentality. Not, you're not going to break that. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned it. That was the point that I was going to lead to. People to slow down and say, no, one pound is enough. You don't need a five kilo club. <laughs> Because, you know, what's happening is you just went from your deadlift and now you're swinging a five kilo club. What's the difference? Yeah. Extension, you're not, this isn't active rest anymore. The, the, the so, coolest, the, the coolest thing that we still maintain, right? When you talked about like the, the old days of the kettlebell on the RKC and that, that, that crew. Yeah. What I love about Indian clubs and, and the fans is that it really isn't dogmatic. There's different styles and different emphases, but I think, whatever groups whatever fans and users and practitioners are out there we just want them in more people's hands and that's yeah. one of the it's the same thing with gata training not specifically the steel mace but with god is like there's just something about it that we want more people to know because we believe in it but like it's never become an us versus them or a sides battle it's just like let's get these things out um that's one of the coolest parts of it like i've never seen like you can't take that sir because this thing is the better like there's options now yeah and you're right you said it and there's a lot of different styles and, and there will be more different styles that come from uh people using clubs and coming up with their own systems and whatever the case may be but the bottom line is you don't get circular training regular you, you, it's push pull squat and you don't get it you don't sometimes you get some rotation but you're not getting circular patterns. It yeah. just doesn't happen. So and that's just the, the great benefit of it. And that's um that's why I, I I had to put it in the surf because to me that's the great mobility drill the great mobility tool and it, and it should be incorporated into your into that. It was it was very cool to see that you had them directly into curriculum. That was a, that was yeah. an exciting thing. Because again, we're you know, I, I don't know if we're the only place in New York, but like it's the one thing when people come in here they're like uh, I've seen a TRX, you know, I've seen a kettlebell now. The the clubs are like the, the mind mind blower. And, and I agree with you. I was going to bring this up when I said I'll make this point later. Yeah. It's like if you can be good in a one-pound club, like I think I focused most of my training with the one-pound club probably for the first eight years, and I didn't mess around yeah. with wrist circles or any of that stuff for the yeah. first like eight years. It was, you know, uh, if you go the Ed Thomas, Gray Cook, Brett Jones approach, which is where I, I you know, basically picked it up from, from you as well, Phil. It's, uh, really, it would really, be movement really, one. I want to interrupt you. Really, it's the Ed Thomas approach. 
Ed Thomas approach. I'm thinking, I know it is. It's, I'm thinking of the everybody, book. Everybody picked it off from him. It's the, you're right. It's the Ed Thomas approach. Um, listeners, like, listen to the episode with Dr. Ed Thomas. I don't remember the name offhand. But like when you talk about going to travel to courses when things open up, you want to go to a course with Dr. Thomas and you want to get a drink with him after. Um, <laughs> the stories are amazing. I mean, he's just one of these super – super unique and knowledgeable like it's like having like a in a science fiction movie when when somebody goes to like the jedi temple and there's a main database Perfect. it's him yeah. <laughs> but he's also has like all the quirks and yeah. stuff that you'd want you know um yeah. but you know so i so you know i focused and it. it's like you know we have one and two pound clubs uh and of course most people want to use the two pounds. Oh, yeah. And I think they serve a purpose sometimes, but there's yeah. that, then they, everyone's like, well, what goes heavier, right? And they forget that a club bell isn't an Indian club. It's a dis different system. Exactly. Serves a slightly different purpose. Serves a very different purpose on other movements. It's more strength training, like true strength training. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, it's funny, with maces becoming very popular, uh, you know, I appreciate like offset balance, but I think a mace is like really good at a couple of things as opposed to people are trying to like provide more uses for them. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's also people you try to use them like kettlebells, which they're not, you know, yeah. in a way. And I don't mean swinging between the legs, but like the hard style front rack. It's like, that's actually not the technique. And then the gata is sort of like, that's sort of my beautiful like flow for me. That's become my new thing over the last year and a half that uh my friend ben marvin was like come take this thing at kelly's and that's where i met kelly and paul volkovinsky and um it was just a nice thing to know that i suck at but i will say this with any of that stuff maces and gatas and stuff like if your shoulders are hosed uh it ain't gonna be that great for you <laughs> it's like especially especially goddess because it's a very different feel than a mace because all the weights on the back end um so let's uh Folks, like, let's. I guess let's start to wrap this up. First off, how yeah. for anybody that's known Phil or hung out with Phil or taken a course with Phil, um, we all know who's the secret weapon in the Deviate Fitness. Pam. <laughs> yeah, as long as everybody knows that. Everybody knows it. It's a completely open thing. Pam's a badass. Um, she's a sweetheart. And she, uh, she's the one, and this is a weird one too, like these, these random things that, you know, you, 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 like the last time I was over at Phil's place, uh, Pam introduced me to uh, Bob's Burgers, which for uh, about a solid year and a half was my daughter's favorite show. So thank you, Pam, for that. I think I messaged her like, uh, uh, there's an episode where they mentioned Ru Russian kettlebell training, but there's an episode yeah. called Art Crawl. Uh, in either season one or season two, where it's all paintings of animals' asses. It's the best. My daughter loves it. Um, let's, uh, let's just do a business question first. So, like, how do you both split the responsibilities of Deviate? Because, you know, um, and yeah. we'll go from there, and then we'll start to wrap this up, because I've been talking yeah. to you for a while. I don't want to hold up your time. Um, yeah, so basically, uh, we, 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 it's pretty simple. We, uh, Pam deals with marketing and and advertising and, and all that stuff, getting and and really at the certifications, the prep and preparing all the certific all the materials and all that stuff that go into creating an amazing certification. That is a lot of work, uh, and that is something I am not good at. <laughs> as far as education, that's what I do. I do the education, the content, the creating the different content, writing the manuals, uh, all that stuff, and then also she's an editor too. 
So she edits a lot all, all the materials that I create and um and, and and you know honestly she's been to probably as many certs as I have um as an observer so she knows quite she yeah. knows quite a bit. She's seen a, a lot of different teachers over the years and um so she has excellent input into a lot of these things and, and had input also into the creation of the DJ Cutball certification. That's awesome. Uh, how it's pretty cool. How hard was it, uh, how arduous was it to get continuing educa uh, education credits for a cert? I think people think it's that's like an not, easy thing to it's do. It's not easy. Uh, yeah. We're still working on some, some things. Uh, as far as I, I, I know that for a certification, you can't get CEUs because you test and they're standards, so it's not fair. So they just say you can't get them, but for a workshop, you can. So that's why if you do your one-day courses and all those, you're getting CEUs because you're not testing. Um, but for a certification, but what we do is we provide all the material that you would need to petition for CEUs when you go to the virtual or in-person. So, uh, nice. Uh, uh, two final uh, questions. What's, what's yeah. the hardest thing about teaching a course over a weekend that you found? Well, I would say it's different in-person to virtual. I would say in-person, um the preparation the preparation is really mo the most exhausting part because for me i love to teach so i can teach there i can stand up in front of people and teach all day because um, i love it um, but i think the preparing everything making sure everything flows right everybody's happy that that's is a lot of work um but as far as the virtual which is something i've had to adjust to now um initially i thought that was going to be very difficult because i've never done a certification virtual um, but I got to be honest with you, it probably ran, it's probably one of the best certs I've ever done with virtual. That's awesome. I'm, 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 I, I've been reluctant. So fast. I've been reluctant because the I, I've done a couple of like two, three hour things and uh, like in service -y type stuff. And I've been just reluctant to spend like the weekend yeah. doing it. It's, you know what we do? It's two days. We take breaks every hour. We do like a 10 minute break every hour. It goes super fast. We do a lot of breakout sessions. So you're always communicating with different people. And it, it, surprisingly, the two days just boom. It's awesome. Before you know it, it's done. Um, what's, what's the greatest thing? What, what's your greatest joy out of teaching? Teaching a course. Um, for me, it's always been getting the, seeing the changes during the weekend with the students. Like seeing the, just their movement change and then saying, oh my God, I can think of my student or, or my friend of mine needs this and oh, this is gonna help. And, and then the feedback after, just saying like, you know, after we did those three certs in October, we got so many feedback where, oh my God, I tried this and it worked and it was amazing and thank you so much. Like that to me is, uh, that's what keeps me going. I love it. Yeah, there's really like, I, I find, the prep, I, I'll say this, I think most people when they think about teaching, the prep, sorry, somebody's dropping, it sounds like, did you hear that? Yeah. Someone's dropping so, pool balls on my ceiling right now. I thought someone was banging on my door. Um, uh, the prep, like especially, and then, you know, this is a, new, a newer course for you, but you know, the, the, the prep, you start to create your outline and you start to put all the pieces together and then it is refining i think people lose the fact that my, our technique as presenters becomes actually refining our technique as presenters not just like look at me in front yeah. of me. oh yeah 
Um, you can always communicate better, make things clearer, make things sharper. And then there's a sweet spot. And I think I noticed it probably starting to hit me about like three years ago where you start to like, not just use the same dialogue that the person who showed you. That's another thing a little bit in kettlebell land. Like you literally like, Oh, I heard so-and-so say that exact same sentence 10 years ago. Um, you know, newer people don't really know it, but it's, so it's like, whatever, uh, you know, you always drop the credit, but it's, you start to process it in your own life, right? Which is also probably why it's a great time for you to have your program. Um, and a lot of people like skip that legwork though. And it's like, oh, they got a buddy that's got an outline, use the outline, you know, like I'm going to do that. No, it's, it, I've enjoyed the process of creating it. And now I'm in the process of tweaking it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which I love. It's, it's awesome. And but in, in the certification itself, I also do a whole section on presenting. Really? Yeah, so I have a whole section on presenting for coaches and trainers. So meaning, how do I talk? What are my hand gestures? What are presenting techniques? Stuff that I've used in the past because I, I, I've gone to different speaker schools and studied some of this stuff. And it, it's it's really cool. And so we throw that into, because as a trainer, you're a presenter. Yeah. <laughs> Whether it's one-to-one or you're doing you're in front of 50 people. So, I mean, you have to learn how to speak clearly, slowly, you know, and all these little things that go into it. So we added that part into the manual as well. Yeah, the you pick up last is usually like actually managing the time, especially in an in-person where it's like, you know, okay, these are the things we need to get. This is where the group needs extra help. We're going to go a little late here. We need to pick it up there. Then there's always like, I should say always, but then there's like, oh, there's the problem child that that hinge is like, Mm, it's going to be down in the minute if it's going to happen. And then there's the occasional super problem child where you're like, have to have that talk of like, look, I appreciate that you're having issues here. Did you prepare for it? And usually they're like, no, or they have a friend that said it would be this. And we have to be like, look, you know, we can't take away from everybody else. Like it's learning all of those things. And that's exhausting by the end of the day. Like it really is by the end of a two day, three day course, not even counting travel, throw travel on top of it. It's exhausting, but it's so rewarding. Um, at the end of it, when you just see like light bulbs go on and like friendships get made. And uh, we really try to stress it when, when I teach about like, it's not about friending me, it's about friending each other so that you can keep in touch with each other because these people are probably closer in communication with you in an area with you and might be the person that, you know, gets you another job somewhere or like, you know, know somebody that can lead you, like making those more direct connections. And then the global web um, and, and, and again, making ourselves accessible i think there's this perception that people with titles and, and phil i'm not putting myself on the same level as you i think you have a much bigger um representation than i do but um i think there's this thing with people in leadership whether it's it, 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 it's one of us or or somebody like dan john or you know that, that that's they can't be approachable or josh they can't be super approachable and oh, yeah. like so easy to go oh, yeah. like have a drink and sit down and chat Absolutely. and i and I try to like make sure people become aware of that because I remember Steve Millis, Emily and I sitting down at that first, it was my first RKC and Emily's first RKC. And we sat at a table that just happened to be empty. I think it might've had like one of, they used to take pictures and put them on a little thing. It was like, remember when they used to have like the cocktail hour the night yeah. before? Yeah, right? yeah, the meet and greet. <laughs> yeah, the meet and greet, right? So we sat down at a table and like right after, uh, John Duquesne, Pavel and Mark Toomey sat down and we were all so intimidated. We kind of got up immediately and left. And now I try like, like, and it wasn't that they did anything wrong. It was just part of the mystique of the whole event. 
but it was like now I try to be the exact exact opposite so that people feel more comfortable about it um, absolutely because it's uh, I also one of the really weird standouts to me is when I went through if nobody asked questions we got punished but if you asked a stupid question in front of the big group there was that fear of like intimidation coming. And the one thing that really changed for me now is if I could have gotten past that and I try to share this in the room, like you had the chance to have like, ask Pavel a direct question, ask Brett or Jeff or you a direct question, as opposed to sitting in the back, like with your pen in your mouth and your manual going, I don't know what the fuck that was. Cause it's a lot, right? It's a lot. And you just start to realize like, if you have the opportunity, I try to stress that, like ask the question. Somebody else will want to hear it now. Um, don't wait to ask your trainer buddy when you get back, like ask us directly now for clarity. Yeah, um, I love that. Love it's a... Uh, <laughs> the part is huge. Dude, this is a great chat, but I'm actually getting <laughs> bummed that I'm not teaching courses this year. Like I, I like, literally, we taught three. I taught three right before shutdown. And I yeah. taught like what ended up being my last RKC and I didn't, nobody knew it at the time, my last RKC. And then that Monday it, we taught out in, you know, in the city and that Monday came a morning, I started teaching and people started coming in. Mm-hmm. Hey, are you worried about closing? Are you worried about closing? And then like a week and a half later we were closed or a week later we were closed. Yeah. And, uh, it's really unprecedented. Like this is a, this year has been, uh, I mean, just so many things going on, but, but in a way, you got to make the best of it. And, and I think for us, uh, you know, even though it's probably one of the hardest, you know, as far as service industry too, but yeah. I mean, especially if you're a business owner, you have to adjust somehow to it. You, you have to. Um, because we get, we get, we're, we're calling together with all the big gyms and there's no, there's no like, oh, you only do one-to-one. So that's fine. You know, you don't have yeah. space for people to be in. It's not like that. So it's, you gotta figure out ways to adjust to it. It's super frustrating. It's super yeah. frustrating yeah. how like we can really yeah. help. And, and at this point, you know, like, yeah, you know, and I've mentioned it to you, like, yeah, we help with all the comorbidities. But more importantly, like people need to connect and people need to move and, 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 and you know, invest in the mental health aspect of this yeah. more important than how heavy is the get up or how heavy is the deadlift or something like it's just so crucial right now and it's one of these things where you know as businesses are pivoting and i understand it sometimes it's like the smartest decision is to close right now right like sometimes the thing that really was uh like your location mm-hmm. might have been the best thing because it was like a perfect access point but now it's your nightmare because no one's going to work you know in the city that makes sense um, yeah. there was yeah. a point during the pandemic where I was like, why am I paying rent? You know, like we, we yeah. basically were on top of the rent. Why am I doing this when everything's online and the speakeasy got its name from doing this all in my apartment down the street? Like I didn't need to have the space. And that's when we were like, let's, let's rent gear. It falls with our mission statement. If we close, yeah. I could probably yeah. still sell gear out of it. Cause retail is a little different. And if we stay closed, my members can get heavier bells, more gear to train more effectively. And, those number people in my neighborhood that don't train, they can come and grab a bell. Um, yeah. But I got to be honest, like we could transition online. For me, I, people, when we do have the windows, even if they're just windows of reopening, I want people to be able to feel that connection in the room, even if it's a mask, even if yeah. it's six, seven feet, eight feet apart. 
Um, even if I'm wearing a freaking Star Wars helmet on top of my mask, <laughs> I just want people to have that. But I think it's important to like find the way and fitness, fit, fitness people in particular, like you got to play the advantages we have with the internet because, uh, and I don't mean give away a million free things. That's we've right, right. a disservice to ourselves on that. Uh, I think just like, you know, you're not fully closed. And now in particular, while everybody's tired of Zoom, everybody knows this is a way of life. There's, there's no wait and sees anymore. You can mark it past the wait and see. This is just our existence for a little while. But also holding on hope to like, you know, again, whether it's the vaccine or some sort of herd immunity, at some point, things will always be a little different because we've now crossed that barrier. But at some point, we'll have some renewed normalcy. I'll say, uh, if you've ever taught in Asia, you know, they wear the mask to protect others from being sick on the regular. Like they don't need a pandemic. Yeah. Like in Japan, there's always multiple people on the planes or on the subways that are wearing a mask, not because they're scared of me, they're, it's, they're protecting yeah. me. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that's never gonna go away now. And then, you know what, that's, that's kind of a nice thing than being the freaking sneeze fest at the office, like the ride or die at the office that's giving the flu to everybody. Um, anyway, dude, this was an awesome conversation. Um, we need to we need to chat more offline as well. It was really good uh, to see you, Phil. Uh, again, um, before we get your contact info out, like, dude, thank you for like everything. I mean, I, if you were not who you were at that first RKC, and my assistants weren't who they were, um, that probably would not have meant what it meant to me. Uh, I, I've told people very openly, I wouldn't change a thing about that RKC, but I would never put myself through it again. Now, as a teacher with the punishments and the fucking yeah. carry your bell to the bathroom and all of that stuff. But it was amazing. Like I'm, I'm very grateful I went through it the way it was. Um, and for the assisting opportunities. And again, even like, you know, the advice when the, when the switch was happened, we haven't talked much over the last few years, but you know, shit happens. And now here we are again. Here we are. Um, yes. I appreciate the opportunity, man. It's so good to talk to you and see you. And so uh, tell, tell listeners uh, where they can find out more about you and DBA Fitness and the uh, so, teaching uh, certification. The best thing is uh, the uh, Instagram page is Phil Scurrito and DBA Fitness. Uh, if you get on my Instagram page, I put a lot of content up there. Uh, February 20, 21st, that weekend, we're going to have a two-day virtual certification in 2021. So we will post that on my dbafitness.com page. It'll also be on Instagram as well. So. And then once once it's up, you can see the standard. You can see everything that's uh, being listed on there with the search all about. So awesome. I'm uh, I'm, I think I'm teaching COVID-related yeah. the following weekend. So I'm free as long as I can get coverage for the kids. I want to take right. this one. Um, hey, you. dude. Thank you so much. You. Send my love to Pam. Thank you. Um, certainly will. And uh, you got to tell the listeners, this is how we wrap up the show. You got to tell the listeners to die mighty. So tell them to die mighty. Die mighty. <laughs> Dude, thanks a lot, man. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. The Coach Fury Podcast is created, owned, and produced by Steve Coach Fury Holliner for Fury Industries, LLC. Music provided by the FTW. Visit the FTW.nyc for band, tour, music, and merch info. Artwork created by Glenn Gurrieta. Visit glengurrieta.com. That's G-L-E-N-N-U-R-I-E-T-A. Or follow him on Instagram at Glenn Gurrieta. Voiceover by Laura Palmer.